Grace Church is not a church that's content to let the world around us burn with hatred. We are not a church which lets our culture tell us who we should and shouldn't love. We are a church that has been called by God to heal the broken places of this world. And guys, that is exactly what we are going to do. Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm so glad you're on this planet as long as you're just like me. (laughs) Today, we're walking paths of love, not hate. Barry's here to tell us exactly where to go. But before we stand together in one spirit and one purpose, now that they're finished making me happy by wholeheartedly agreeing with everything I'm saying, let's welcome in our favorite citizens of heaven, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Mm. No? Well, I'm not so sure. It becomes like, how many different ways can you twist scripture in your opening? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you mean. If someone is coming to this podcast looking for sound exegetical podcast intros, <laughs> you're in the right place. <laughs> you are in the right they place. Made the... <laughs> Guys. Hey. What's up, man? I don't even remember your faces. It's been so long. It has. Who they are may you? have changed in the last two weeks easily. Yeah, a lot of time. A lot of time in between our last pod. How's, how are you guys? How have you guys been? I haven't even seen you. It's been a podless wasteland, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Missed you guys. We went through Easter. What else? And then another week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. What's new? What's happening? Oh, I don't even... Is, where do we begin? Uh, I mean, I don't have much much to report on. I've just things have just been really intense in my world. Just yeah. lots of very uh, intense meetings and conversations, and then obviously trying to get sermons written and trying to launch Hope Month and doing all this. It's just a lot. Welcome to Senior Pastor. Didn't you uh, make it to all three campuses just at, for at Easter? Easter? Yeah. yeah. I, oh my goodness! Oh, I made yeah. it. I came here on Saturday night, and then I went to One Forty Sixth Street on Saturday night, and then I went to. Fishers first thing in the morning and then drove to North Indy for their service and then came back up to watch the last service at, That's awesome. at 146. It was actually cool. really fun. Yeah. I'd love to get to do that. That's Easter awesome. was a hit. I mean, nobody nobody listening to this cares right now because it's like two <laughs> weeks removed, but Easter was a Easter, hit. That's ancient history. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. And we had to pull in chairs at one yeah. at both North Indy and mm-hmm. at 146th Street at the last service. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. My mom got to come. Oh, yeah. My, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my sister. Sitting front kids. row. Front row center. Yeah. Front North row Indy. center on Easter. It was awesome. Yeah. Which I heard was people couldn't look at you yeah. looking at her yeah. or they would burst into tears. Yeah. Oh, much less. <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. yeah. It was really awesome. Um, what else is new? Marin, what's going on with you? What is going on with me? Um, so I, I think I'm in a similar boat as Barry, although not the same boat. I feel like I'm busy and I'm running around everywhere. Yeah. So mom was here with the whole family for Easter. That was fantastic. I got to, I think this was my first time hosting an, an Easter holiday. Ooh, how'd that go? House. It was awesome. I had it all planned out. Did you and make all the food? I made as much as I could. I made like the main stuff, but then I was smart and I called in my reinforcements. Yeah. My doppelganger, Lauren Russell came and nice. she oh. was... Uh, salad bringer, bread bringer, you know. She makes good cookies. She makes good everything. And that's the friend you want to invite to your house for a holiday. Good point. She makes good everything. And I mean, my parents had a great time, but it seemed like they were commenting on like, oh, who made the fill in the blank? And it was always Lauren. Lauren made that. (laughs) That Never me. Thanks, mom and dad. (laughs) But we did like the Easter egg hunt in my yard. Like it was just picturesque and beautiful. And if we can remember back that far, the weather cleared up. 
mm-hmm. just long enough for the kids to like frolic through the grass on Sunday. So it was yeah. beautiful. Did your kids? My, my kids did frolic through the grass. Oh my goodness. They're a little old for uh, Maybe against their will, but we made them hunt for eggs. <laughs> mom. You're going to have on. fun. Come on, mom. Did you put like a hundred dollar bill in one of them? Yeah, in, right. Incentivize? And I put, like, pieces of chocolate. I, I, <laughs> honestly, my, so we did it this way because we always have Easter at my grandma's house. Yeah. And this is the grandma who was at my house. So oh, that yeah. was really kind of cool to, to be able to have things turn around that way. But she would always put money in eggs, but like, Maybe the, the grand prize egg had 10 bucks in it, right, but everything yeah. else had a quarter, but then she'd go get like 50 cent pieces, like mm-hmm. just kind of rare things, that uh-huh. little gold dollar, that's uh-huh. a little gold coin. If I had been great, I would have thought yeah. ahead, but, <laughs> yeah. all that, but I had about 43 cents to my name and divided that among my Very two good. teenage children. Yeah. So they each walked away with, you know, roughly 20 cents, nice. 21 cents they maybe. They could invest that, you know, they've got a long <laughs> life ahead of them. It was great. And then this last weekend, uh, I went home to see my mom and my aunt and covered a whole lot of ground um, over a very short yeah. amount of time. Just, this past weekend. Did, yeah. So mm-hmm. when everybody so was white, at your house, did they all admire Jed's new tree? Yes, they did. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. No. I mean, it's like my husband planted a magnolia tree and it's flowering. It so we took some pictures in front of it. It was great. <laughs> see, it's all Glorious. working out. You're, you're happy about so it. So worth it. Isn't yard work fun? No, guys. <laughs> Well, hold on. First of all, here's no, and I need it as an outlet right now. You, you love doing it? Well, I, I don't have a yard. I live in an apartment. So I want to grow things on my back porch really yes. badly. Because yeah. that's, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this reading about like permaculture and dreaming about my yeah. future land or whatever. And all I have right now are these little tiny things to grow herbs and, and some stuff. I can't get started until I have a couple days of sun. Ah. Uh. To be able to get my yeah. things going, and it's—I looked at like the ten-day forecast, mm-hmm. and it's just thunderstorms. Ever since for the rest yeah. of it's been like, are you starting wet. seeds inside though, and then moving them? No, outside? I missed the chance to do that, so I'm going to be buying small plants and starting them, but yeah. I don't want to do that and then have them get completely soaked yeah. for a week with no sun. So I'm just waiting, really biding my time, waiting to do something <laughs> that I enjoy. Well, in the nine minutes and forty seconds where it was dry <laughs> since Easter, uh, Lauren had me out in the yard digging up bushes because she she's ready to get the house ready to sell. Yes. Yeah. Which I don't know if who cares about that part, but <laughs> I actually care about that because you have come a long way personally. She, yeah, you have. Yeah, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm subdued or I'm I'm pacified or however you what what do you say? I, You're I'm just resigned to it. To it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and so we're we're getting the house ready to possibly sell even though we have nowhere to go. Yeah. Who knows why, but uh, Lauren bought some new plants, As just like does. Jed. Yeah. <laughs> well, she is a wait, seven. Wait, wait, she is a seven. They have a lot in common. And so plants that we literally planted like a year and a half ago into our front garden, these big bushes now, when they planted them, they were little. Now they're big bushes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wants me to remove and cut out some dead bushes that are on the like other side of the mm-hmm. house. And so- and the are you gonna transplant the old yeah. bushes? Okay. So the, the You're new, not just throwing them out. No, it's not well, that the old, she bush, the old bushes are dead. Bushes. The dead ones. <laughs> like my husband just vehemently can't stand bushes, hates them. Yeah, he would I don't, remove I'm not every a fan bush. of bushes, but I'm definitely not a fan of like doing something twice. <laughs> <laughs> and so we planted these bushes like two years ago, and now we're moving them. Bushes should stay where bushes go. <laughs> and That's, so that should be on a t-shirt. That's good. <laughs> Uh, 
and so I'm out, you know, it's starting to rain and I'm out and I'm, I, I have flashbacks of watching Jed do this, but I have a spade <laughs> shovel that I've already broken its handle off. Can we off. just go ahead and I got to pause you right there. Jed removed a gigantic like tree root from a tree that clearly was older than probably my parents. This is like way a worse. very old this tree. Is, this is way and worse. And you're moving a few bushes. Yeah, that have deep roots. <laughs> they have deep roots. Root, it's, deep it's roots almost and I identical. had to cut through them. <laughs> and now... I'm sore. Aww. And it's four days later. Poor guy. Guys. Nobody has any sympathy. My, my wife's r- running the uh, mini marathon in like four days. And she's like, you're sore? Mm-hmm. Please. <laughs> All that to say, I'm not a fan of yard work, Barry. If, you wanna, if you're desperate for doing yard work, I got plenty. We got space for you to plant your stuff. No, Jim would have helped you. He would have helped you and move some helped bushes. You too. As you're talking, I'm just like, that sounds kind of fun. No, I kind of like that, that stuff. No. You just need to I reach out. I love manual labor. Put me to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, can you come help me move this one bush? I'd this, be like, yeah. This one person job. I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you come watch me yeah. remove this bush? Yeah. Uh, um. So, yeah, I'm definitely sore. My hamstrings, for some reason, hurts. <laughs> I don't know. It It doesn't make any sense. I'm. I'm getting old. Uh, but we kicked off something cool this past weekend yeah. at Grace. We're calling it Hope Month. And this is the first week in four weeks, a four-week kind of sermon series and unified all-church uh, celebration of hope. And th- and I don't know, we'll pl- we're probably going to plan on doing something like this in the future. Yeah. Some iteration of hope, celebration, celebration of hope. But this year, we're definitely doing four weeks. Kids are talking about hope. Uh, and they're in their kids' classrooms, and students are doing it in middle school, and uh, we're going to be celebrating partners of Grace Church, but Barry kicked off the sermon uh, talking about the path of love and the path of hate. Barry, so let's transition to your sermon right now. Right. Um, what was the big idea? What would you say the big idea is for anybody who hasn't heard it yet? Yeah, so this was kind of a foundational sermon for the whole series the idea was uh let's talk about how the whole idea for hope month is healing the broken place of hatred this year and the idea of course like like you said if we do this again maybe next time we do it we'll do it the broken place of whatever isolation or one of the other six broken places um so this one this weekend was basically me setting up the foundational concepts that would come to uh, define the rest of the series so basically I had to boil it down. I'm, we were using Philippians two where Paul talks to the church of Philippi and he says, look, you guys are citizens of heaven, which means you need to have the same attitude as Jesus had with one another. And that is the attitude of self-giving love. He gave of himself. He was obedient to God, even to death on a cross. Um, and that's the attitude that we have to have when it's with one another. And so I described basically two different paths, the path of hate and the path of self-giving love. The path of hate leads to awful outcomes eventually things like racism and injustice and violence and yeah. and uh genocide and all of that and the path of self-giving love leads to healing and hope and dignity and, mm-hmm. and purpose and all of that so um basically i was saying if we want to bre- heal the broken place of hatred we have to walk the path of self-giving love so that yeah. was that was my big idea and we can talk about all the specifics uh, yeah. if you want to but um, nope, I think we're good. Have a I'll great say, week. Have a good, <laughs> Mary, would you please send us out? Yeah. 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 So anyway, that was it. Then, the, and one of the, 
one of the the things I, I wanted to really camp out on, at least at the beginning, was this idea of citizens of heaven and mm-hmm. what does it yes. mean? Because because Paul's talking to the church in Philippi, and Philippi was a Roman colony which had this weird status called Ius Italicum, which basically meant that their land was technically, according to Rome, it was Roman soil. So the soil of yep. of Philippi was actually a part of Rome, even though it was all the way over in Greece. And so Paul says, you guys need to be citizens of heaven. And there's different ways that you could interpret exactly what he means, but based on the context, it seems to me that he's saying, um, and part, part of what that means is, yeah, heaven may be our home way off somewhere else, but when we walk around in this broken earth, we too are a part of heaven and the soil of our lives, so to speak, is new creation. And where we go, new creation follows, which means we have a responsibility to mm. act as if we were citizens of this new creation, of this heaven. So that is sort of our our basic uh, approach to the world. And you you kind of gave a, a, your own outline of what a citizen of heaven or what choosing the path of love would, would look like. Yeah. But did, when Paul was writing this, did he kind of give everybody... Oh, this is what this means. Uh, if you want to be a citizen of heaven, here's what this means. Did he do that? Well, part of the the context of, the, of Philippians is that we, now we don't know specifics. You have to kind of infer from looking at the text. But it seems like there, there had been some existing divisions, some rifts within the church in Philippi. So there, later on in the, in the book, he, he kind of urges these two leaders in the church to reconcile. Mm. And so you get the idea, okay, something was going on that there was some division in the church. Yeah. So there's that. Plus, uh, he, there's some references to persecution and you get the sense that Philippi was going to be kind of pressed by some persecution as well as there's a level of false teaching that he wanted to protect them against. And so he, all of that kind of creates this environment where if they've got this hardship, persecution and false teaching coming at yeah. them, but they're divided, there's no way they're going to be able to fight that common enemy together right. because they're fighting each other. And so he's urging them to come together to mm-hmm. to stand as one and to be unified. So in that sense, he's saying, be a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of Rome, not a citizen of that, not a, but be a citizen of heaven. And what that means is live as, as, as a unity mm. uh, with self-giving love. So in answer to your question, no, it's not... I don't know that he like necessarily spells it out. Although now that I'm thinking about it, he does do a lot of these virtue lists yeah. in other places. Yeah. Even here, even in Philippians. Oh, even too. in Philippians. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like he says at the beginning of Philippians too, where he's yeah. like, you know, be humble, think, consider others better than yourself. I right. think, I, I think though, in answer to your question, I think there's more to being a citizen of heaven than just the unity and the humility part of it. I think that's what he describes in Philippians, but elsewhere in other books, he talks about other things that we are to other ways that we are to live to live as Christ. So these people were at least familiar with the concept of what it meant to be a citizen of the kingdom. Well, for sure. (laughs) This was Philippi was, um, do do you remember in acts when the apostle Paul is on his missionary journey? He's first, Mm. he's all over, ancient Turkey. So he's over in the cities that we know of Ephesus and, and Colossae, and he's in all these cities. And then he gets this vision of a man from Macedonia at this, this vision of a, of a guy who's from Greece, basically what we would think of as Greece saying, come over to us, come over to us. And he felt like it was the Holy spirit beckoning him to leave 
hmm. Asia Minor and head over to Greece. And so he does. He gets on a boat and he goes right across the Aegean Sea. And then he goes to one small town on the coast. We don't, we don't really know much about what happened there. But then he ends up in Philippi. So okay. his first kind of, some people call it his first footsteps into Europe began at Philippi. Hmm. So he spent some time there and yeah. had a really uplifting and powerful experience, which kind of affirmed that that vision was from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so he spent some time with them, not a lot of time, but a, a little bit of time with them, establishing, teaching. And then he worked his way down the coast, down towards Athens. Okay. So, and then we, it's possible that he wrote the, the book of Philippians while he was in Athens. So he might have, it might have been a little bit of a fresh, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't gone that long before he wrote this letter. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. In your fun fact, you said on his first visit to Philippi, he was beaten mercilessly. Yes, yes, of course, that happened as well. And, and that said, is a maybe very that's not fun so fact. Fun. Well, <laughs> yeah. That when you look at the language that he uses at the beginning of Philippians, he's so filled with joy and gratitude and love. And it's clear that he just had a deep emotional connection with these people. Um, but yes, you're right. He also, <laughs> he says in, uh, he says the, uh, the affliction, what does he say, uh, that we share, he says... Um, we're fighting together. Don't be intimidated by in any way by your enemies. Uh, we're in this struggle to, together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. And I, it's likely he's very much referring to the time that I was beaten within an inch of my life. Rough and tumble. <laughs> Rough and tumble. <laughs> um, okay, so you you started talking about there's two, and this you said this is kind of the structure we're going to be working for yeah. the whole rest of the series, but there's two ways we can choose. Yes. One is the path of hate. The other is the path of self-giving love. Uh, let's start with the path of hate and just kind of walk yeah. down how we get to the worst of the worst. Right. Uh, you said we start the path. We start down the path of both, hate. Is- both paths start with encountering an other. Oh, both do. Yes. Okay. No matter what, when you encounter someone who is an other, then you have a choice which path to walk. Uh, gotcha. Sorry, I wanted to make that clear. Because okay. I- yeah. Go ahead. So. Path of hate starts with identifying an, an other, mm-hmm. not another, but an other. other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When okay. I write it, other you, is always. Can you go quotes. a little bit more into detail here and let's talk about what what makes an other? Is sure. it because in my mind, it's it might be completely different than someone else's. So in my mind, it's like, oh well, it's it's the poor person, or it's the homeless guy, or it's the immigrant, or it's the person that like I don't recognize as sure. like me, mm. you sure. know? Yeah. And so and that's, what that's is that? how I described it. Anybody could be, could be different, different from you in, in any way, gender, socioeconomic status, ethnicity. I mean, you go on and on and you could political standpoint, you could name it. And it can in go some, up too, right? It's like the rich guy who, yeah, right. That anybody that you would look at and you would say, you're not one of us and you could define us however you want. Mm-hmm. My people, my friends, my in group, whatever that yeah. is. The other person is an other. And so it's kind of a flexible definition because you could, it, it might be very different for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that you consider an other might not necessarily consider you an other, mm-hmm. I guess. I, yeah. It's it's more of a matter of, of your posture towards the world, whether or not you consider them one of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it starts there. And then step two toward the path or down the path of hate is discriminating or discrimination, right? Right. Well, yeah. Step one is superiority. So to the other. Yeah. That's the, which I argue is a bit of a natural response. Like we don't mean to necessarily, 
But because of human nature and the way that we're wired, when we encounter someone who is not one of us, we begin to either consciously or subconsciously lower them in our minds where we want to keep our value and our worth higher than theirs. Yeah. And, and, um, so yeah, we, we in some way feel superior to them mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. So that's just sort of a natural, yeah. natural thing that happens. And you talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but like the most fertile ground for this is social media, right? Well, sure. And it's one of the ways because the internet has become, it's, it's now possible to define one of us even more, more and more specific than it's ever been where you can be like, I only care about other, uh, you know, people that work at church who are also into board games and my name is Tyler and I'm going to be hanging, I'm going to only hang out with people that are just like me. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. And so I've got, I've got a lot of questions. I, I want to go through the paths before I start asking okay, all yeah, these yeah, questions. Yeah, we'll so. keep going. Um, okay. So discrimination is number, number two. Yeah. two and you, you said that this, you think that this happens every single day to every person. Uh, well, I think it, it happens naturally. I don't know about every day to every person. It does happen a lot and it happens to us in subtle ways. That's not always overt. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think there are definitely ways in which it happens overtly, but I also think that in our hearts, we tend to I, I define discrimination as us not just seeing the person as as lower than us, but then intentionally separating ourselves from that person. Mm-hmm. And when and if they ever threaten the boundaries of what I've de- determined is my safe mm-hmm. community, yeah. then I use my power to lower them. Yeah, like to actively, I mean, oppress or yeah. press down or in some way lower them so mm-hmm. that yeah. I can maintain that superiority that I feel. And the final step on the path of hate is yeah. dehumanizing or dehumanization. Right. right. What is, what does that mean? Well, I think one of the, one of the things that makes it a lot easier to discriminate is when you begin looking at the other as less human than yourself. So you, you look for ways in which they are not as civilized as you, mm-hmm. not as intelligent as you, more you animalistic, a lot of language that we use uh, actually kind of puts mm-hmm. people into these categories. Tyler, I asked you to like <laughs> look up stuff. Yeah. You sent me on this great <laughs> you fun. It, you made it sound really depressing. Rabbit hole. Oh no. Last week of like, Hey, he, he Barry came into my office and was like, Hey, um, we're talking to Celestin on the video, which was great. By the way, we've got a bonus pod with the full conversation yeah. between mm-hmm. the three of us and him that is, is out already. So go look for that on, on your podcast feeds. But, uh, we're talking to Celestin and he went through the Rwandan genocide 25 years ago. Um, and I want I want to make clear that like we still dehumanize today. So can you yeah. do like a quick Google or Twitter search Help of like, think of some ways that we've been yeah. that modern. Can, can you examples? figure out what people are saying today? And that sent me on like a two hour, like dark place (laughs) on the internet where I'm like doing all these Twitter searches of like what people are calling other people Uh and, um, the words we're using today. And I'm like, man, this is not good. Like we're using like infesting and illegals and infesting is one of the first ones that came to my mind. Mm. I saw it in print, uh, when I lived in Chicago and it was referencing a homeless population that we had, um, as you got closer to the lakeshore and a writer in this news publication said, if they found a way to eradicate the Asian beetle, 
then why can't they find oh a way? Oh my goodness! Yeah, oh, so wow. stuff like that. Right. It's still happening. And it's still happening. And I think the 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 reason you sent me on this on this mission is because I was just trying to punish you for something. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> but Celestin was saying, you know, they they called Tootsies the Tootsies cockroaches. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's how it starts with like we think here in America, like we're never gonna genocide. Like that's never gonna happen. Right. Uh, but the, it started the same way that it started with words that we're using today, like right. bigots and animals and, you know, mm-hmm. what you just said. If we can, if we can, if eradicate, we can eradicate the, the beetle, Asian beetle, then why can't we clear our lakefront of yeah. this homeless problem? And yeah. so dehumanizing, uh, and it doesn't have to be that extreme either. Right. Like it doesn't have to be that extreme right. of a word. I, I used other examples. I said if you try if you categorize somebody, like a whole group of people as morons or yeah. evil or idiots, like yeah. uh, that doesn't necessarily dehumanize them, but it what it does is it it lowers their status as humans in your mind. Yeah. Which maybe there are certain groups of people that are evil, but the when you do that, when you paint with such a broad brush, you run the risk of categorizing people to the point of them losing their individual hum- humanness. At the very least, you're casting the shadow of other across yeah. an entire group of people. That's yeah. one of the things I know we're we're continuing on with the path of, of Hayden and describing what that means. But my first thing was to pray, who, who do I see as an other? Mm. I don't think, I, I think a lot of this, it's subconscious. Right. You know, I can't, I can't immediately come, you know, bring to mind, oh, well, that's, that's easy. I don't like this people group or this, you know, sect of society or whatever. I I needed to pray and ask God to begin to reveal to me who I see as another. Yeah. And who is it? Well, Tyler. (laughs) No, uh, good for you because things just snapped in my brain, like real quick. I've got others. We've talked about this on the show. Like couple years ago when they're like hey bring your guns to church and like let's wear like guns gun crowns wasn't here to be clear yeah i was in pennsylvania and i'm like i remember when you said that i don't see those people as human beings sometimes i see Mm -hmm. those people as like a scourge yeah okay so i it it snapped into my brain real quick um okay so that's the final step before all who, who, I mean, literally all hell breaks loose. Yeah. It's after that, it's anybody's game. If you're willing in your mind and your heart to dehumanize a people or a group of people, yeah. at some point, as Celestin said in the interview video, if, if a cockroach comes into your home, do you invite it to eat dinner mm-hmm. with you? No, you crush it. Right. And so and I Barry think, is sitting there like, no, I, I set it free, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> catch and release. I don't know about cockroaches though, man. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the path of hate, which is pretty yeah. pretty dark, and yet hopefully, I didn't have anybody push back on that. So I was I was expecting perhaps somebody would say, "That's not fair. That's not how." Nobody said that. Everybody was like, "Yep, yeah, no, that's pretty yep, accurate. That's we get that's it. what happens. We understand." So, uh, uh, and and so the opposite of that is the path of self giving love, and yes, you, and it starts again with encountering another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but instead of choosing discrimination or superiority you start with humility yeah so here's here's the before we get into the three specifics there's one kind of overriding idea that i really wanted to get across and that is 
that the path of love is not just not doing the things on the path of hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause which, I mean, you'd be forgiven for thinking like, Oh, if discrimination is bad. We shouldn't discriminate. Yeah. There, that's it. Right. Like that's the end, but it's not because the path of love, I, I talk about the kingdom of, of God is upside down. I mean, reality it's right side up and we're upside down, but you know, mm-hmm. the idea is that the kingdom of God is upside down. The answer to hate is also upside down. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul talks about in Philippians too, that the way that we become unified is to go the other direction. If hate is a path going uh, where you are lifting yourself higher and higher and higher, the path of self-giving love is where you are choosing to lower yourself and lift the other higher and higher. And mm-hmm. it's 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 upside down. So you're right. The first step on the path of hate was sort of the mirror image of superiority and it's yeah. humility. It's choosing... and I. So many people have pushed back on this phrase and I'm like, guys, humility, no, on the phrase, um, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. I've had a lot of people say, well, don't, maybe not better than (laughs) you. I don't like that. I'm uncomfortable with that. Really? Yeah. Even though, I mean, you made a a good distinction between this is not about low self-esteem. Right. This This isn't, isn't, yeah, it's not about Lowering your own worth or value you're right, in God's guys. eyes. He's better than He's me. He's better. But you're not saying a, that. Right. But I'm still surprised. Even after the sermon, I had I've had a couple of people who are like, ah, oh, just I find that to be one of the single most challenging phrases in the entire Bible for me. Yeah. Today, as I was going through your sermon again, I I live streamed your sermon on my drive to Chicago this yeah. weekend. So it was cool. I was trying to focus, Safe driving. but you know, yeah, watch the road. Sounds good. <laughs> listen to Barry. Don't look at the screen. Don't look at, just listen to him. Don't look. <laughs> but no, you I, know, all my mannerisms anyway, you'd already know what I'd be doing. <laughs> you just never know. Um, yeah, I, I watched it again or listened to it again in my office this afternoon. And I have a couple of scriptures on the back of my office door, right above my handle. And most of them are about, Hey, your love for one another, love one another. Most of the scriptures that I've written out on index cards and taped to the back of my door so that I'd see them every day have to do with that. And today that's the scripture I wrote down and put on my office door. Yeah. Like right where I would see it every time I touch my handle. I think it said uh, to don't show off. Don't, don't try to impress others. Right. What does it say after that? It says, don't be selfish. Don't try yes. to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but, also but take for the interest an interest others. in others too. The most challenging piece in all of scripture. Yeah. Dude, I'm feeling aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You read that and you're like, I don't want to. Because I can be yeah. nice to someone. Right. But can I, can I humble myself to the point that I actually consider them better than myself? Yeah. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah. Or even just to choose to act in such a way as if they were better than me. That, yeah, that's crazy. My that's Lord. so hard. My Lord challenge 2019. Yeah. So that's why that, and I said, I don't know if I said it in the one that the, the six fifteen one, but at by 11, I was saying, when I said that after talking about the, that I was like, you know what? That's enough for us to like, think about yes. for a couple of yeah. years. Yes. <laughs> like we could be done for now, but that's not the end of the path. Yeah. Tyler's, yeah. Tyler's looking off well, into the, into the future. In thought, yeah. Tyler. I, I, like I said, I want to get through this because I, all my questions, I have a bunch of questions about this, but okay. okay. So it starts with humility Yeah. and you said the type of humility that led Christ to die on our behalf. So it's yeah. that right. type. It's not just right. like, uh, modesty or something. Totally. You know? Right. Okay. It's um, self-giving. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
it's the, it's it's a verb. There's an action to it. Next yeah. step is compassion. Yes. So opening your life to another mm-hmm. or the other. Yeah. Where um, discrimination is closing myself off and lowering them. Compassion is opening myself up to them and then and elevating them or yes. lifting them. And yeah. and the thing I I kind of talked about in the sermon was okay. It, Paul says, take an interest in others. So if you're going to take an interest in another person's needs, how do you know what those needs are unless you are willing to draw them in close enough to listen and mm-hmm. close enough to actually learn from them? And what what is it that you need? If you're just looking at them from a distance, you're not going to know. You're not going to know yeah. how you can lift them up. But the closer you, you let them into your life, the more likely you're going to be to see the needs that they have that you can then yeah. address. So rather than using your power to lower them, you're using your power or your wealth or your creativity or whatever you have, you're using that to to lift them and to to meet their needs. And one little side note here. I, I had one person after the service who said, um, I, I can't remember exactly, was just sort of saying, Man, that's just that's just hard to think about, like thinking about other people's needs, because I feel like I could just go around trying to fix everyone else's needs all the time. Mm. And I said, Okay, but remember in a perfect in a perfect world or when the church is acting the way the church is meant to be, you're looking out for someone else's needs and someone else is looking out for yours. Yes. It's, we are all, if we are a community of people who are all giving of ourselves, then mm-hmm. your needs are being met because other people are paying careful attention to you. Yeah. And I realize that sounds like a, like a pipe dream, but I also believe that's the picture that Paul is trying to paint for us here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where a community is serving each other. So. And the final step on the path of self-giving love is elevating, kind of what you just... Elevation, yeah. I don't... I couldn't think of a better word. It's a great word. <laughs> okay, it's a great word. Thank you, Marin. Uh, oh, it is. Yeah. And basically finding ways to communicate that you were so glad that that person was on this planet. Right. In other words, I see the image of God in you. When I want to know God, I know that you carry a part of that within you. That's like really profound and almost kind of hippie-ish to say, but <laughs> but it's like... I see that you are created in the image of God. And so I, I so elevate that value that I, I'm glad you're alive. Yeah. What I like about that word is that it implies motion. You've Mm -hmm. got to do something. It implies action. You, you said on a few different occasions during this message that it's not enough to not use dehumanizing language. Right. So that a lot of people will stop there. I think about um, one of my grandmas. I think about her. Yeah. And I think she she thought that she was being a good Christian by just not using, you know, yeah. bad words to right. describe other people. Right. But that is where she stopped. I never saw an other come and have dinner at her house. Sure. I never saw her elevate the other. Yeah. I saw her be cordial to the other. Yeah. And, and that is where it stopped. It stopped at... She was cordial. That was enough. She did her duty, her she, civic she duty. She didn't hate. As a, as a citizen of heaven. Right, right. Eat it, haters. <laughs> um, okay, so how you started by saying, like, I would bet $700 that if you're on social media, if you're getting your news somewhere, it's from people that think just like you, right? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Uh, that's probably true. I agree. Yeah. And so if I'm being indoctrinated by everybody who thinks just like me, yeah. uh, I follow all those news sources that think just like me or support what I already think or vice versa. Right. How do I all of a sudden just start choosing humility? How do I, A, how do I know I'm indoctrinated? And B, how do I start choosing humility? <laughs> uh, wow. First of all, 
you know you're indoctrinated because you are an American living in 2019 and yeah. the entire world around us, mm-hmm. social media is designed. There's a, uh, I put this in the app yeah. notes. There's a YouTube uh, channel that I watch, Smarter Every Day, really great guy, super nerdy. I love him. Uh, and Destin is his name. And he's been doing this. His like, name is Destin? Destin. Not Dustin. Destin. Destin. Yeah. Hey, it's no. me, Destin. Welcome back to Smarter Every Day. It's how he starts every YouTube channel. <laughs> well, uh... Anyway. Um, so anyway, but he's been doing these like long form videos exploring uh, basically the manipulation of algorithms of YouTube, Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter to essentially for by people for a whole bunch of different reasons to try to manipulate you and what yeah. you are seeing. And it the le- the latest one was it on Facebook? Is that the one? Yeah. On Facebook. Absolutely blew my mind. The level to which people are going to make sure that your perspective of the world is as warped as possible. Yeah. Be, mm. because and so what they will do and I didn't never would have thought of this but sometimes when you you will see something like he, he's, he's a Christian and he uses an example of um, a really extreme Christian post about like we need to take back the something from the something and he's like no nobody that I know in in Christianity <laughs> believes that yeah. and yet and so, and then he looked into it and found out that it was actually created by somebody who was trying to discredit Christianity, but it was in the name of some, it was, it was as if it was a real Christian group proponing, you right. know, making this. Oh my goodness. And so that he's as an example of some stuff that there are literally like Russian, Russians manipulating. <laughs> and I'm not, this is not a political statement. This is happening who are, who are propaganda. It's propaganda that is solely designed on both, literally both political sides. That's fun. No, no, it's not Amy. (laughs) (laughs) No. And it's solely designed to make us, uh, hateful and distrustful of one another. So anyway, that was a, I think about my teens being raised in that kind of an environment. Yeah. That that's the world they're inheriting. Yeah. How will it affect the way that they operate in this world, how will it affect the people they encounter? How will it affect them as they are trying to grow into good citizens of heaven? How will it affect them? Um, For that reason, among many others is why I love this church and it's emphasis on world missions. Yeah. You've got to get your kids outside of the County they live in. They have to go see other things. Get out. Yes, please leave. Go. Yeah. Go to the nations. Yeah. Go to the nations. My brother-in-law is in Uganda right now. Um, and he's, uh, I don't think he's been there before. I know his father has been there before him, but it's fun to follow him on Facebook right now and just see the way that encountering this other culture is just changing his worldview and, and really changing his understanding of God as creator in a deeper way. Um, yeah. Anyway, when I think about, oh man, what are we going to do? We're all lost with no hope. Social media, yeah. it will ruin us all. It will ruin our children. Right. <laughs> I have hope. <laughs> I have hope. Is that well, how you talk to yourself? Is that what your voice America. sounds like in your head? <laughs> go see the world. Guys, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out of sorts today. We've all done it. We've all put a pad of butter in our pocket to warm it up before we spread it on our bread. <laughs> it, it bursts in my pocket. So I'm sitting here with a pocket full Wait, of butter. are you serious? Trying to find something intelligent to say. You have butter in your pocket? Right now. <laughs> what? We've all done it. <laughs> you you literally have butter in your pocket right I, now? I do, but I digress. Save the world. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh, wow. That's not where I saw that. Are you kidding me? I don't think I saw that sentence going that direction. That's Sorry. amazing. 
<laughs> what in the world? All right. Um, <laughs> so that was. Do you need to like take a break? I probably do. That started with social media and ended with pocket butter. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I thought you were like making a metaphor no. for something. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Okay, here, let me speak for a second while you collect yourself. I think oh I think what you're saying I'm agreeing with 100% except the pocket butter part. But yeah, I I think if like the only hope there's there's no way that you could just be certain of anything you read anymore, you know? It's getting to the point where it's like we should all just live in a hole because what's the point? There's no truth anymore. It's out there. It's everything's being thrown at you mm-hmm. and you have to do like research to know if the headline if that you're looking true. at is even true. Right. So with all that said, you mention other cultures mm-hmm. and we're going to talk, I'll talk more a lot about this this month. This will be part of my last message is the value of, of interacting with other cultures. But, um, I think it's not just other cultures, but it's just people who are different than you. When you interact with people who are different than you, you have a more well-rounded understanding of what truth is, mm-hmm. and and this one it's one of the reasons we have a vision of intergenerational life groups, why we want people to be not just surrounded by people their own age, but other ages and other demographics, because diversity as a broad category is not just something that we want because it's like it looks good or it's good optics. Diversity is something in all of its forms that helps us stay more connected to the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it's something that allows us to, to be able to like follow Christ in a world that doesn't seem to have any basis for reality anymore. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I digress not as badly as pocket <laughs> butter, but, um, and, and you either said this or it's one of your fun facts that you're basically only on Twitter to follow like cute animals yeah, yeah. or something. Nature is awesome. Nature is amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I know you, Marin. You're not really like into Twitter, Twitter? or oh, like any social no. media. Really, I mean, hardly. I, yeah, no. But a little bit. Especially like, the Twitter. I just, I don't. My husband made it. I actually deleted it at one point this weekend, and then like reinstated it. Why? Long, long story. Oh, all right. Well, you don't need to get into sometimes it. Sometimes he posts. You're in a bad place. <laughs> he posts things from my social media sometimes, and I'm like, that's it. That's it. I'm done. Getting rid of it. Yes. Okay. So I, I am. I think I'm active. I mean, I, I guess I'm active. I, I look at it every day. Yeah. I look at stuff every day. And so I have convinced myself that I have to do it. Not because like, not because I'm addicted or anything, right. but because like influencing the world and representing yeah, I need to know what's going and- on because really I've gotten to a place in like my journey in my life where I feel like if I shut it off completely, I'm, I'm taking advantage of like, privilege that's been bestowed upon me of like yeah. being the, the the middle class white dude who doesn't need to know what's going on. I could just shut it off and like live in my own bubble and that's fine. So I need to know what other people are feeling and the quickest way I can do that is by following those people on social media. Yeah. And so my question is, where do you think we should draw a line between being informed about stuff, about like the stuff that's happening to real people and being exposed to the path of hate. Where's the, where should we draw the line? I don't know. I'm working through that myself. Cause like I said, I mean, yeah, I go onto Twitter and half of it is delightful and the other half of it is, it actually makes my emotions darker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
is this worth it? Am I, I and I find myself getting riled up and I find myself yeah. starting to think, oh, those people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. look yeah. at how they're always. So, and one of the things I've, I've noticed, cause I also, one of my main sources kind of for global news is BBC news. Mm-hmm. If something makes it to BBC news's front page that happens in American politics or American, whatever it's worth paying attention to because it's, it's enough that people around the globe would want to see it. Yeah. Right. So that, to me, I look at as maybe a line. I don't know if that's the line, yeah. but it's a line that maybe I need to rely more on something like that, where it's I'm 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 still paying attention to the big stuff, but not getting so caught up in all the little stuff. But Tyler, what you're talking about are the the kind of the conversation and yeah. the social the zeitgeist, the so like what I I I don't know. I don't know where to draw the line on that because you you want to know like what are people feeling, what are people thinking, like what's going on right yeah. now, like but then. At the same time, I'm just talk, thinking out loud here. At the same time, it's like, I don't really care how many people like responded to Avengers Endgame. Like, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I don't think I need to know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about that, but I'm also talking about, okay, so a couple of weeks, uh, Notre Dame burned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and at, at my initial reaction is like, oh my gosh, that's that's awful. And I still feel that way. Yeah. But- if I wasn't on Twitter, I wouldn't know that there was a whole group of people in America who were like, yeah, but what about like these four black churches that were burned right. to the ground? Like right. I would have no idea sure. that a bunch of people are being impacted that way if I wasn't participating or following those people. Yeah. And so there's a thin, very thin line of me like understanding what's going on and also like, oh yeah, forget Notre Dame. Let's, <laughs> let's pay attention to this and anybody who doesn't want to pay attention to this is is my enemy right right so where do do we have an answer i don't think we have an answer (laughs) i don't think we have an answer and i think frankly as as the next senior pastor of this church this is the kind of thing that i think about a lot because i want to i want to lead the church i want to i want to discover the answer to these kinds of things because i don't think it's realistic i don't want to be the kind of church that says everybody get off social media yeah. completely like we're out of it because yeah. then we're like a cult and we're weird you know yeah we have to be humans that live in our modern society but i don't know yeah how to draw the line how how to help people love and not hate while interact while staying informed with a broken world yeah i don't know one of the things that i found helpful and i've told this to a few friends you know, I've got people from all different walks of life that are friends with me on mm-hmm. social media. Some of them from one walk of life, let's say the church I grew up in, will frequently post things that just make me so mad. I can't I can't believe they think or say the things that they think and they say. Yeah. But I've never deleted them or hid them from my feed. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like when you filter out viewpoints that are different from yours, yeah. mm-hmm. you live in this very tiny space. You have a very myopic worldview. So whether I agree or don't agree with the people that I see in that feed, at least it kind of, it makes me it makes me think and feel. It challenges me to, well, do I agree with this or do I not agree with this? Mm-hmm. I never feel reactionary. I never feel like I have to be like, you are a terrible person I, I don't I don't take it to, yeah. to that place um but yeah but it, it helps me to not um hand pick I guess my yeah. my world I want to see and hear viewpoints that are different from mine mm-hmm. I want to be challenged I want the same for my kids I want to be able to engage in conversation particularly with 
other people in the family of God. Yeah. It's so important. I feel like to not just, just kick them out, get out of yeah. there as one of your sound bites will frequently say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I found that, I found that helpful and I go back mm-hmm. home and, um, from time to time I'll visit that little church, Yeah, you know, and we'll, I'll go out to lunch with people from that little church. Recently, I've gone out to lunch with one of the people I can see them right now who has said the most ridiculous thing I've seen on social yeah. media, yeah. but went out to lunch with that person. Just, I mean, cause we are in the house of God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot lately about who we'll share heaven with mm-hmm. and how surprised we will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or how uncomfortable we'll be. No, we'll not be uncomfortable. We'll be surprised. So we're probably going to I mean, uncomfortable for like all the things that we thought and felt about them during. Right. Did did I esteem them higher than myself? This woman that I had lunch with, am I esteeming her as as higher than myself? For as many negative things as I can say about things I've seen this person post, I can also say this person has single-handedly gifted my mother with food Mm, and resources and fundage and you know, there's, there's beauty and there's darkness to each one of us. Yeah. Mm. So we're probably going to talk about this topic every week, right? Hate, love, yeah. path of hate, path of love. So I, I just want to get this out um, so I can reference it later okay. in future shows. But um, when I was 30 years old, I'm 36 now, when I was 30 years old, got married and we bought a house on like 40th and Michigan street. Yeah. Okay. I went, I grew up in Carmel, went to Carmel high school, uh, you know, upper middle class, whatever, uh, 40th and Michigan street is very different than Carmel. And we, we chose that house in that location for that because we wanted to live around a variety of different cultures and ages. And yeah. So we live there and, when I was 30 years old, I went to the grocery store. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm excited to be a part of this, like blossoming, like multicultural place in our city, but I go to the grocery store and I, I catch myself getting really upset at people in the grocery store for things that are race related, Mm. like that are stereotypical racist basically um you know and so i i'm catching myself three times at at thinking things that like just took me by surprise that i that i I had that within me to think okay and so i get in my car after the trip to the grocery store and i just start like crying because Mm. i'm like i think i'm a racist person Mm. and i never thought thought that i never even knew that but when i'm in when i was just in there like the thoughts that went through my brain were not good they were the path of hate mm, okay yeah uh now that i can put words to it, it's a path of hate mm-hmm. i'm looking at people less than myself i'm dehumanizing them i am uh prejudiced and discriminating against them um and so ever since that that was six years ago ever since that um i have felt like i have been i have I will not turn that off again. Mm. Like I was 30 until I realized right. that this is a problem. That's yeah. funny. Cause I'm thinking, wow, thank God you were only 30. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. But yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking back on my whole life and I'm like, why did it take me 30 years to figure this out? And there's a billion reasons for that. But at that moment I was like, I'm never going to turn this off again. I'm yeah. going to be exposed to 
as much and the worst of as possible because I don't get to do that anymore. I don't get to turn it off if people gotcha. in my in my yeah. other life cannot turn it off. Yeah. Uh so that's why I'm asking like <laughs> what how do I balance uh the line between being informed of what's going on yeah. around me but also like not being exposing myself to the path of hate. Right. There yeah, dad always talks about the the low grade fever of sadness yes. that comes with being aware, aware of of the brokenness of the world. Yeah. Your question is how do I keep that low grade how do I not medicate away that yeah. low grade fever? Mm-hmm. While also, how do I keep it from becoming a high-grade fever where I'm suddenly incapacitated yeah. because I'm so filled with rage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because in, in, in putting it in grace language, it's like, oh, I'm discovering that my calling is to be a champion of justice. All right, so uh, I have learned creative ways to hate oppressors. Yeah. Like, I, I hate <laughs> oppressors. And... The people who use their power and their uh, influence to oppress other people, like I've learned and I've I've evolved or devolved into really really disliking those people. Sure, um, is it possible for me to overcome that? And so that's what I've spent the last six years mm. like trying to think about and fight through. Um, well, so when yeah. does when does something that like my champion? championing of in of justice interfere or collide with the path of hate yeah i, I yeah Oof. i i think a lot I told of you it, I had questions Here they are. no they're good <laughs> i think this is where that third step on the path of hate comes in so or on the path of self-giving love is so important that idea of of elevating the humanity of another person um i think if you just look at the actions of people that are oppressing others, you will, there's no way you're going to ever love them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you're just, if, if, if that's all you see, why would you love them? They're, they're oppressing other people. They're hurting yeah. other people. But if you are able to see the broken image bearer within them, perhaps that is something that you can, can love and feel compassion for, even though the yeah. actions that they are committing are, are awful. In your yeah. mind. So, Again, if our, if our battle is not against flesh and blood, right. But against dark spirits, forces, principalities, powers, always trying to keep that at the forefront. It's too totally. It, it's too easy. Right. The low hanging fruit is that person is a jerk. Right. I hate that person. He's doing evil things. Yeah. It takes another. Or she. Right. It's okay. <laughs> uh, it takes another level to see past that. Yeah. To see past totally. that to you know the to the unseen, and to pray and to fight and to war. Not against the flesh and blood, but against the unseen. I want to go back, even though I was part of that conversation with Celestin, I want to go back and re-listen to that. Because yeah. he talked about reconciling with the oppressor. Yeah. If mm-hmm. any culture in the world has the right to just absolutely hate evil oppressors, yeah. would it not have been the persecuted minority in Rwanda? Right. Totally. And I want to put this in our show notes, this link, but... um. I was watching a video and it was about, it's 25 years since the Rwandan genocide. And I, but, and I was watching this video, it's vice news tonight. And, um, they sent a correspondent to Rwanda to just kind of see what's up now, like what, what's going on. Um, and there are people who participated in the genocide then that are getting released from prison now. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, the cameras catch them being like, what are you in for? I'm in for genocide. 
crazy, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but mm. but they they've built these villages where, um, to rehabilitate and also build reconciling relationships, they are putting the people that committed the genocide in the same neighborhood, possibly next door to the people that they committed the genocide against. Yeah. To reconcile and build these relationships, and part of the government thing is like if you move here we'll give you free livestock and free place to live but the purpose is to build relationships and so i'm watching this i don't know it's a five minute video and uh there's a woman who her entire family was murdered and she's sitting next to the guy that did it and she's like yeah this is my friend i love him wow wow i'm like that that does not compute (laughs) yeah with me but you're right, Marin. If that, if it's possible there, it has mm-hmm. to be possible here. And I was having a conversation a couple of days ago with somebody who um, is really mad about stuff, like one particular issue happening in our world right now. And I said, and this is six years of of journey, where I was able to say, you know, your battle is not with that person that you're mad at. Your battle is with the system that allows the person to be the person that they are. Mm. Uh, so you're right. The 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 battle is with the darknesses, the system, the, you know, yeah. not the people. Yeah. But that is super hard to remember. Yes, it is very hard to remember. It's hard for me to remember. That's why I put that scripture on the back of my door today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have this, excuse me, I have this mental image that it just came, came to me, so I'll share it. But when I was in Cambodia, I also a place with a very awful and violent history, the Khmer Rouge mm-hmm. genocide, but that's not what this is about. Anyway, there's a... Um, a whole bunch of ancient temples, uh, the Angkor, Angkor Wat, you've probably seen, it's like this big ancient temple complex. You've seen it anyway. Uh, but there's this one temple that they've left in a state of semi jungle <clears throat> where they are, where they allow some of the trees in the jungle to still grow within the, within the walls. And there are these certain trees, these massive, massive trees that birds will come by and drop like the seeds or poop the seeds into like little cracks in the rock. This is family friendly. We don't say family, that. Sorry. Droppings. <laughs> and, and, and occasionally these seeds will then germinate and yeah. they will shoot out these roots that go all the way down to the ground. And then they'll start growing this giant, giant trunk. And it, it's this massive tree that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the days go on. And then eventually over time, parts of the rock walls get kind of embedded in the tree and as it grows it, it it gets more and more of them and then eventually the tree falls over because the trees always eventually yeah. fall over and when it falls over it rips a huge chunk of the wall out mm. and so sure. so much of the ruins of this place were made ruins by these slowly growing trees mm. that were growing in between them and so the image in my mind is that we have got these walls that we are all fighting from behind we've built these big walls and we're lobbing you know, rocks at each other and we're having this big battle. We've got all these walls built up and usually our response is to just try to figure out a way to make it all one big wall. So we're all fighting on the same thing, but maybe the response is something completely different. Maybe the kingdom of God grows in another way where it dismantles the walls, not through violence and further wall building, but through something that's completely other Yeah, uh, that has nothing to do with walls at all. It's like Mm. life and growth and trees. I don't know. It's, it's just a mental image, but I'm wondering Mm. if, if, you know, we, we feel like, how could we possibly see, you know, it, we look at Democrats and Republicans now and we think there's no way we're ever going to see these two groups come together. Like how are they ever going to be unified? Yeah. And maybe, the, maybe them being unified isn't the answer. Maybe the, maybe the answer is for the church, something new to grow up mm. 
in the midst of a divided culture and to become something that dismantles walls by its very existence. I don't know. Like a Demopublican. <laughs> I d- yeah, well, maybe. I was not thinking that it would be a hybrid of the two political <laughs> oh, parties. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. it being like yeah. a group of people that, that maybe maybe representatives from both parties, but it's, it's a community of yeah. people that lives in a different way that is able to slowly bring healing and destruction to those walls. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that uh, as far as we're concerned at Grace and us, you know, as Christians, like we need to figure out how to create or attend space space where we are investigating everybody like each other's narratives mm. like we need to create that space where we get to hear and listen to another person's narrative the other mm-hmm. narrative uh and have like christian and holy conversation about like the future together or yeah. something because yeah i think that's part of what rooted does yeah you get a chance for 10 weeks to sit with people who may or may not be like you yeah. and over the course of that time you get to know that person you i, I tend to judge people who are like period oh <laughs> well who aren't like i hmm, how do i say this when i was in high school i tell my daughter this story a lot the most popular girl in school i think i judged her like more than anybody mm. and then it wasn't until like our senior year that i found out that like one of her parents had committed suicide oh, wow. and he or she had lived this like terribly hard life and i had built this super shallow, cheesy narrative about, you know, who I thought she was simply because she was well-liked and popular. And I had misjudged her so horribly and Mm. so unfairly for four years. I felt horrible in that moment that I had done that. But I, I wish I can say that was the last time I've done that. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we don't know other people's stories. We don't know what they're currently living through. We don't know if they've got a busted up packet of butter in their pocket. We just don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Back to the butter. Because you didn't know. (laughs) I didn't. You did not know. But I'm definitely judging you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, every day, the people that we come across, we don't know what they're living through, what their family's going through, just how they're feeling inside. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important, I think, and I, I want to talk about this every week we do this, but it's important to me to remind myself that we don't, when I'm, when I'm talking to somebody who I would consider an other or the other or somebody that completely disagrees with me about the way we see the world, it's, it's important for me to remind myself that we don't need a shared vision of the future, but we must have a vision for a shared future. Ooh, I like that. That was cute. Where did, did you, you get make that? that up? Guys, I no, am a writer. No. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I made that up or what, but so I'll say it again. We don't need a shared vision for the future. Like we don't have to have the same definition right. of what the best version of a future is, mm-hmm. but in order to share the space with, with another, we must have a vision for a future together. Mm-hmm. We have, yeah. must have that same vision for a future together. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, easy piece of cake. Yeah. We've got work to do. Um, You're calling us to do a very difficult thing. And yeah, thanks a I lot. Appreciate hey, I'm not doing it. I'm just doing it. This no. Is, this is do the Bible. Do you know word. how many pastors just would flip right past that little section? Thank you for calling us to this because well. I see, as you see a picture of like rock walls and trees, I see two paths. I see a wide path that is easy 
Yeah. And a narrow path that is not easy. Ooh, that's good. Pitifully insufficient. <laughs> You're calling us to the narrow path. Yeah. I think for too long, we've just been content to just coast along on this super wide road. Yeah. But it isn't like that. And you don't want to be disappointed. When, yeah. when you're at the end and you're like, wait, what? I should have what? You wanted me to lower myself? Oh. Yeah, this whole time. If only I would have known. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Thank you for taking us down this narrow road. Well, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit petrified at, at this whole thing. Uh, I was I'm feeling, scared. yes, thank you, Tyler. I was feeling a little nervous going into, I don't know what I expected, but just knowing because probably because I am on Twitter, I know how quickly things can be misrepresented, misinterpreted. Yeah. People could be outraged. And I was just like, am I going to say one thing that's going to blow up and everyone's going to be upset? Yes. So probably, you, you probably will. Yeah. And so I just dealing with that, I'm like, okay, but I'm, I'm willing to do this because this is why I'm here. I'm not here to just pat people on the shoulder and say, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Like just yeah. try to be a good Christian and you'll be okay. I'm like, no, no, we have an upside down King, like the kingdom mm-hmm. of this upside down kingdom. Like we could change this world and we could see healing in things that look impossible. We just have a little bit of hard work to do. And by yeah. a little bit, I mean a lot of bit, but yeah. like, I don't know. I'm here for that. Yeah, I, I want to see that happen. So, so yeah, I'm willing to I'm willing to go for it. That's that's my prayer. That through the power the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be that church that you're describing. That we would be His church. That we would be fitted together yeah. on Christ, the chief cornerstone, and the example that Christ was yeah. was self giving love. Yeah, He mm-hmm. exemplified yeah. lowering Himself. I love that you used Philippians that um, even though He was God. Right. He did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead he gave up yeah. his own, just, he gave up his deity yeah. and, and suffered mm-hmm. a criminal's death on the cross. That scripture passage is perfect to yeah. frame this entire yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're just at such a unique time in history. Like, I mean, everybody says that, and maybe I've said that on the pod before, but when you really think about the sweep of global history, like the era of Christendom where where the church and the empire were wedded seems to be crumbling that, that, that doesn't seem to have as much power as it once did. Globalization has brought the entire world to our doorstep Mm -hmm. and us to the entire world. Uh, you've got, you've got the advent of things like the internet and the, and communications. And, uh, you, you now have, uh, weird cultural trends like postmodernism, which are making unexpected changes to way, the way that people think and, behave and and even view truth you've just got all this stuff happening and i I look at where we are at this juncture point and think what if we got in on the ground floor of living the way that god wants the church to live in the 21st century like yeah what if 100 years from now our great grandchildren look back and think i can't believe that our ancestors were a part of this you Mm -hmm. know I don't know. I, I look at that and I think, wow. And and I always say this just because it kind of freaks people out. But if if the church, if human history continues on for another, let's say, 300,000 years, then we are living in the early church <laughs> at the end of a historical moment in which Christendom took root and then something new began. Mm. And if that's gird your loins, if that's the case, <laughs> then we are at the beginning of that turning point, whatever that is. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's All right, so where are we going now? About. What's, What's happening next? Oh, next weekend. 
Um, so this coming weekend, we are going to talk, we're going to start getting a little bit more specific and practical. And the topic is going to be, what do we do when we encounter people from, of other ethnicities mm. or, or races? Although I'm going to be talking about the fact that race is a human construct. It also is one in which people have historically utilized it to oppress other people. So what do we do about that? How do we, how do we, for many ethnicity, how do we respond to the fact that we are in a, in community with others who don't look like us and are from different ethnic backgrounds? So it'll be good. Should be uh, easy. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I'm. If you want to pray for me, pray for me because I'm working. I, I'm trying to work really hard on making this as as I want it to be. I want it to push us. I also know there are people that would easily be pushed off the cliff if mm. I was not careful. And I want to be very careful. I, it's it's complicated. It's just such a complicated topic. But I believe that scripture has a lot to, to show us on this. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, just pray that that the spirit speaks, that I just disappear. And that's what I that's what I want to see happen. That's this, what I pray for every day. <laughs> that's what I pray for every week. <laughs> every that literally day. is my prayer every single time before spirit I preach. speaks and you disappear. Yep. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Okay, so we've got during throughout Hope Month is the last thing I'll say. During Hope Month, we're going to have a series of uh, unique and uh, interesting events for you to, dear listener, to to attend. The first one is tonight. It's the prayer gathering. Yeah. Um, and so Mary's looking at me. She's like, "It's not no, tonight." I, I am totally on know okay. what you're doing. It's You're t- doing the thing tonight. The day that this podcast goes <laughs> yeah, live so, on Wednesday. Uh, the yes, prayer gathering is tonight. Excited. That is the first of four, at least four. Um, months that we are kind of centering in to celebrate hope, right? Four weeks. What? Events? What, what did, did I say? say? You said four months. Oh, I don't know. Four events said. this month. Four events this, this month. month. Yes. That kind of zero in on hope, and yep. the prayer gathering is the first one, yep. right? So the that's second one happens next weekend. Yep. Second one happens next weekend. It's the Partner Expo. Uh, as soon as you get to church, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We're gonna we're gonna have tons of partners. Uh, at Grace Church who want to share their ministry with you. And these are people that are on the ground, you know, ground zero of providing hope or like searching for hope um, every day in their ministry. And so they're going to be anxious to share that with you. And then the third one, we're having a, uh, what do we call it? What do we call it? We always call it a Spanish worship night. Spanish worship night. Yeah. I don't know if it has an official name. Yeah. I don't know either, but it, it's going to be on a May 17th at 146th Street uh, Spanish Worship Night, which I haven't had the pleasure of going to, but Marin has. And uh, there's going to be like a pitch-in and all this stuff. So that's the third one. And then the fourth one is uh, is at the very end of the month, and it's a listening table event. Listening table is a uh, anti-racism like task force of, made up of volunteers at Grace Church. And that we're going to host that event over in Fishers. And it's going to be a panel discussion of people who attend Grace Church who have uh, chosen the path of love despite not necessarily feeling it hmm. from their own communities and possibly their own church. So yeah. it's going to be a really great month mm. uh, of learning and experiencing and celebrating with one another, pursuing hope. So I'm really looking forward to the to the to the month. Any last thoughts? Yeah. Let's all go love our neighbors as, can, our, as ourselves. We just got to get out of here so Mary can get the butter, <laughs> the butter situation. I'm sure there's some people who are feeling very anxious about that. Yeah. So. All right, Mary, will you please send us out? <laughs> 
Sure, y'all. Do justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.